This is the G Podcast with your host, Tommy B. Hey, what's up, y'all? This is episode 168 of This is the G Podcast. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. I am here, Tommy B. And the cast is around. You'll hear them on this show. Everybody, well, you know, everybody's listening. Everybody's around. So, you know, and, and, um, who, who, who would believe that it's uh, 46 degrees today in Georgia uh, and the day before spring and we're under a, a freeze warning? Who would believe that? <laughs> but anyway, it's Women's History Month. And, and this week we have a very special guest, uh, the Honorable Judge Kelly S. Hill, Superior Court of Cobb. Uh, justice. Uh, well, I want to call her Justice, and she she says, "No, I'm not there yet." But Judge Hill was one of the first Black women elected to Superior Court in Cobb, elected in in 2020. She's graduate, and and I want to make sure, um, Judge Hill, are you there? I am. I'm. I am here. So How you, are you, Thomas? I am great. Thank you so much for taking the time. You're a graduate of the University of Pennsylvania. Am I correct? That's correct. Yes. And unfortunately, Rutgers, uh, which is your law school, didn't make it into the attorney, the (laughs) NCAA attorney this year. We didn't. But, you know, the great thing is you're in Cobb County and Kennesaw State did. So let's take a moment for your Cobb County people and just say congratulations. Congratulations to the owls. Absolutely. And and I know you got to be happy about that. Uh, They were not expected to win. They were on the verge of winning. It would have been a big upset, but what a game. They they played it close, so you got to give it. That is Cobb County. That is your area. So That I, is Cobb County. That is the new Cobb County. <laughs> Absolutely. So let me give it up to them one more time. And again, uh, the uh, the Fighting Owls put in a great effort uh, against Xavier, so. They and, did, and congrats to them. Absolutely. For a good game. Yes, they did. Yes, they did. And she's a, a New Jersey native, um, and I'm pleased to have Judge Kelly Hill on uh, for making a stop on the G Podcast. And, and I have to say it before we get into uh, the questions. What a time to be on the court in America. <laughs> what a time <laughs> to be working in the justice system, uh, Your Honor. What, what an amazing time. I'm sure you have some stories to tell. I know you can't address a lot of what we talk about on the show, but, you know, uh, you're here uh, for your great work and the things you've done in your career uh, and and the, the glass ceilings you have shattered uh, over in Cobb County. So I won't put you in harm's way. You know, I won't I'm, I'm not going to do the gotcha. Well, uh, well, I appreciate that. <laughs> I do. I will absolutely answer as much as I can. Yes. And, um, you know, I will tell you, there's never a dull moment. I bet. Never, ever a dull moment on the bench. I can like, imagine. And, and, and it's crazy. And, and before one more thing before we get into questioning, and I know you don't have to address this, but as I sit, you know, we tape on Sunday. So as I sit and I watch uh, the Sunday shows, it's amazing that we're about to put, or I don't know if it's going to happen this week or not, a former president facing indictment. I mean, this is a real possibility in the United States of America, and and it is just as we tape on Sunday, uh, it's an incredible thing to witness. So we'll see what this week brings. We'll see what this yeah, week brings. Yeah, yeah, we're waiting in uncharted territory. For yes, sure. we, yes, we are. Yes, we are. And again, this is the G Podcast. Each week we do news, politics, pop culture. Tanya B is out, but she did get the tea to us, and we'll bring you the tea uh, soon uh, later in the show. Uh, but Judge Hill, we, you know we've seen um, the confirmation of the first black Supreme Court justice in Katanji Brown-Jackson. Um, you know, black female DAs are involved in, in high-profile cases. Cases You've got uh, Letitia James in New York, Fonnie Willis in Fulton County as examples, you know, cases that are really democracy-defending type cases. And, and in my lifetime, I mean, the, the, probably the most I've ever seen black women leading in the country. How do you view your role and responsibility? During these times, so you know, Tommy, you're right. Uh, for the first time in history, we do have black women in spaces where we have not traditionally been. And if you ask me how I see my role uh, now that I am in the quote-unquote room, I see my role as one not just being present in that proverbial room, but to pull up my chair, sit at the table. My role is to be part of that conversation. Um, 
I see my role as being one to highlight and bring to the conversation a perspective that is maybe different from the traditional conversation, Um, a perspective that might cause those of us in the room to think that perhaps the way we have traditionally done things or the way we have traditionally viewed things might need to be changed Hmm. now that there is a different perspective included in the conversation. And how do I see my role? I see my role as being one to explain situations through a lens that perhaps had not been viewed before and simply because it was not the experience or the perspective of those who were traditionally in that room. Hmm. So that perspective was never considered. My role is to make sure that it is now considered. Right. So you're, so an, you're an elected official. So, I am absolutely an elected official. I was elected. I was not appointed to serve. And, and so you have constituents who are probably calling you and sending you messages daily. So I do have constituents. I cannot speak to constituents about specific issues. But mm-hmm. yes, um, even if they don't call me, I'm in my community. Mm-hmm. I am out and about. I participate in community events. I want to connect to the community that I serve. And so I, I see it as my role to make sure that that community um, and the members of that community that historically haven't really had a voice mm-hmm. have an opportunity to have their views and their issues and their perspectives be part of the conversation so that change can be made for the, the betterment of all citizens here in our community in Cobb. Excellent. Excellent. And, and you know, we're a Black podcast, uh, so many weeks you know, when we do this show, um, you know, unfortunately, and, and I say that because, you know, it wears heavy, um, you know, we felt justice has been denied uh, or wrongly applied. You know, what do you say to skeptics of the legal system? So let me, let me start by saying this. I'm a judge, right? And I've either been a judge or a lawyer for over 30 years now, which means I'm part of the system. Mm-hmm. And so I have to say, from my perspective, one, I am a firm believer in justice. And I know that in most cases, having been part of the system, um, the system works as it should, believe it or not. Now, having said that, I know that there are some cases where the system does not or has not worked um, the way justice would would require it to work. Mm-hmm. And in those situations, unfortunately, those are the cases that, that get highlighted. Those are the cases that are in the media. So those are the cases that um, draw the attention of the public. And that is why I understand that there are skeptics. I understand that there are people who question whether or not justice actually prevails in our system. Um, and so... While I understand it, I want those who are skeptical to know from someone who has been part of this system for over 30 years now, in most cases, our system does in fact work. Mm, Okay. Okay. You've been involved in many high cases, high profile cases, one being the infamous Brian Nichols case. Uh, That's that's one of many. Um, and, uh, which, which are the cases when you, when you take a look at your history, uh, not necessarily as a judge, we're, we're looking back in, in, as a prosecutor, uh, in, in those circumstances where you're in the courtroom, uh, mm-hmm. which one has had the most impact on you personally? So you mentioned Nichols and, and I'll talk about Nichols for, for a second, just because that's the one that most people will bring up when I am in a conversation. Mm-hmm. and. Um, I was the lead prosecutor in the prosecution of the murder case. I was not involved in the initial rape trial that uh, was going on when the the shooting incident occurred. Can you can you give people kind of frame it for people? Sure. Uh, how he was up for for actually uh, the crime of rape initially. So that is correct. How, how would you how would you frame frame that situation with Nichols? So Nichols was. Uh, initially on trial for the rape of a woman that he had been involved in a relationship with. And the initial rape trial ended in a hung jury. It was a mistrial. The jury, they hung. They couldn't reach a verdict. Mm -hmm. Right after the hung jury, 
uh, Nichols and his attorney asked the judge to allow him a bond so that he could be out while the prosecutor decided whether or not they were going to proceed again to trial or resolve the case short of a trial. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And instead of granting a bond, um, the judge had the court reporter prepare the transcript of the previous case, and they teed up the second trial almost immediately. So his bond was denied, and he was put back on trial the second time for, for rape. And one thing that happens when there's a mistrial mm-hmm. is now there's a record. And Nichols testified in the first rape case, which means he's on record of giving answers to questions that were asked in that first trial. Mm. Well, as in anything, when you get a second bite at the apple, you now know where your holes are. You know where your weaknesses are. And the prosecution had an opportunity to kind of tighten up those holes. And they did that second go around. They added witnesses that perhaps they had not called in the first go round, one of which was Nichols' boss. And they were able to show through those witnesses that testimony Nichols had given in the previous trial was, in fact, not true. Hmm. So they went through that second trial Monday through Thursday of that week. Friday, which was March 11, uh, rolled around, and it was going to be the day where the state rested. And Nichols then had to make a decision on whether he was going to testify the second go round and potentially be caught in lies. Or if he was not going to testify, and in which case the case was going to the jury and the state had put up a much stronger case the, first, the second time than they did the first time. Mm-hmm. So he was kind of caught in between a rock and a hard place having to make a decision. So that morning when uh, he was being escorted upstairs to change out of his prison blues into his suit for trial, he made a decision. And that decision was to attack the female deputy that was bringing him up to change out. Wow. And he, he beat her to a pulp, took her gun, took her radio, took her handcuffs, and walked, once he changed into his clothes, he walked over to the judge's chambers, held the judge's staff um, at gunpoint. And what he didn't know is that the judge had heard a case, a civil case, totally unrelated to his trial mm-hmm. that morning. And so the judge was not in chambers. The judge was in the courtroom. And in most courtrooms, whatever's happening in the courtroom is piped into chamber. So he could hear that the judge was in the courtroom. Mm. He waited a while, holding the the staff captive. And what he didn't know is one of the staff members had hit the emergency button. So now there were deputies responding to the chambers. What those deputies didn't know was that because Nichols had taken that first deputy that he beat, he had taken her radio so he could hear the traffic on that radio. And he knew that they were responding to the judge's chambers. So now he did what he had planned to do, which was he went into the courtroom. And while the judge was on the bench in the middle of a legal argument, um, put the gun to the judge's head, pulled the trigger, and literally blew the judge's brains out. Wow. Um, The court reporter who was seated down in front of the judge was also shot and killed there in the courtroom. Mm. Staff attorney was grazed by a bullet, but um, by the grace of God, lived to tell it. And then Nichols escaped from Chambers, walked across the bridge where he ran into deputies who were responding to Chambers. They had no idea what had just happened. They had no idea who he was. And he said to them, hey, man, y'all need to get over there because something's going down over in in that courtroom. They ran right past him as he made his exit down a back stairwell. But he encountered a deputy who had just come on duty. And that deputy uh, ran into Nichols trying to run out of the back door. And he shot and killed that deputy there on the street ran across the street to a parking lot where lawyers and citizens were about to start their day coming into work or coming into court. And he carjacked one of the lawyers, took the vehicle. But because he had that radio, he could hear when the car uh, lookout had been put on the radio. So he knew that they were going to find him in that car. So he ditched that car and carjacked another car. He carjacked a total of about seven people 
that wow. that morning. He held several other people at gunpoint in parking lots to take their car and or their clothing. He took a AJC reporter's jacket um, so that he could switch out from his jacket. He rode a martyr train to Buckhead and hid out in a hotel there at Lenox and confronted one woman who lived in an apartment complex right next to Lenox. He was about to kidnap her, except he didn't know her boyfriend was in the apartment. Mm. So the boyfriend comes out, confronts Nichols. By now, Nichols knows that, you know, everybody's looking for him. So instead of having a confrontation there in the hallway, he escaped and he hid out until cover of dark. And there was one house in that neighborhood where the light was on. In that house was a man who happened to be a federal agent. He was doing some tile work in his bathroom because he and his wife were about to move into their dream home. Mm -hmm. And he worked late that night to kind of do some tile work in the bathroom. Right. Nichols saw the light. There was a truck in the driveway. He went in, confronted the man who uh, was up on a, who was up on a a ladder Mm -hmm. and shot him, Mm -hmm. went through his pockets, took his badge took his keys to his truck, took that truck to Gwinnett County where he sat in an apartment complex. And by the way, all this started in Fulton County. Am I correct? This all started in the Fulton County courthouse. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And um, he then held that woman captive. And that is the story of uh, the woman who, the the movie Captive, if you remember, there was a, a movie made not too long ago. But that's the story that is covered in that movie when he held the woman up in Gwinnett County captive. And eventually she was able to calm him. And eventually he was um, surrendered to the police, taken into custody and then stood trial for the murder case, which, which I prosecuted along with several other team members. Um, So, so, so that's the, the backdrop of the Nichols case. And I'll tell you, when the incident occurred, when the shooting occurred, I was there at work that day in my office. Mm-hmm. And I happened to be one of the first prosecutors assigned to Judge Roland Barnes, who was the judge who, who was murdered that day. Mm-hmm. I, I was one of his first prosecutors when he was appointed to the bench. Wow. And I knew him and I knew his staff. Mm-hmm. And I also knew that, that my boss tended to uh, have high-profile cases come across my desk. Right. So, so I asked him not to put me on that case. Wow. Why is that? Well, you know, it was just one of those things that was too close to home for mm-hmm. me. I knew everybody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I will say that D.A. Howard did not put me on that case for years. And it wasn't until the last 30 days before trial was about to start that I got called into his office. And he told me that he needed me to not only help try the case, but he needed me to take over and be lead. So at that point, duty called and and I did what I had to do. Um, You know, I had to try a case where I knew some of the folks. It happened in a courtroom that I had been assigned to. It happened in a courthouse where I reported to work every day. Mm. Um, And so as a person, um, you know, it was traumatic. It, It was very emotionally taxing. To have to one get up to speed on on a case in such a short period of time, but two present facts to a jury involving individuals that I knew personally. Um, but professionally, you know, it was my job, and yeah. I had a job to do, and I did it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, notwithstanding those personal feelings, but but that's the case that most people want to talk about. Yeah. Let me me ask you, because you've got one more you want to talk about, but I want to ask you before we move away from that, a lot of precedent, do you think, was set in that case? Yes. Um, And we don't have to go into the, because we could do do an entire podcast. (laughs) We absolutely could. We could have an entire podcast on just this case. But you know what? One thing, it's kind of like 9-11. Remember, before 9-11, you could Mm -hmm. go to the airport, you could bring your water bottle. Yes. Um, You know, there were just certain things that changed as a result of Mm -hmm. 9-11. And I kind of liken the Nichols case to 9-11. Um, the security mm-hmm. in courthouses have changed um, as a result of this case. Wow. 
so yes, a lot of precedent was set as a result of this. And the, the security, the sanctity that one used to feel in a courthouse, kind of like you feel or used to feel in church, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, has changed. Yeah. Um, you, it, it's just not there anymore. And this case was a significant um, factor. Well, he's in, in the- jail at this point, serving hundreds and hundreds of years and without hundreds. Parole. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Well, moving on from 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 that case to the one, um, you know, another case you, you've uh, been impacted personally. by. Yeah. You know, it's a case that most people honestly don't don't ask me about. But for me, it was one of it wasn't the only, but it was one of the most impactful cases um, in my career. And that was the case of the state of Georgia versus Jamil Alameen, also known as H.R.A.P. Brown. Mm. Um, again, I was part of a prosecution team. And another instance where my boss kind of put me on at the last minute. But I will tell you, and for those folks who don't know who Jamil Alameen is or H.R.A.P. Brown, uh, he's a civil rights activist, mm-hmm. director of SNCC. Um, former Black Panther, and then, you know, came here to Atlanta and became the imam over in the West End, where he was very highly regarded. Right, right. And I will tell you, when that file first came across my desk, my initial reaction was, oh, oh, no, mm -mm, I'm not doing this. Mm -hmm. I can't do this. And at the time, I was relatively still a young prosecutor, I think maybe practicing about 10 years. And my thought was, I can't prosecute this case, but for people like this, I would not be able to do the job that I do. Right. Wow. And, and that was not lost on me. Hmm. But I remember I got up to go down to tell my boss I couldn't do it. And, you know, just I stopped and I went back to my desk and I sat down and I started looking through the case file. And then I saw who my victims were. Mm. My victims were two young black men. My victims had young black children Mm. and black widows and a wife who now had a husband who had to live with a very serious wound because he survived the attack. Wow. So, you know, as I started contemplating that, I went from this, this case is not about black and white. This is not about civil rights. Mm. This is about right and wrong. Yeah. And, you know, I will tell you, this case was impactful to me because it was the first time that I personally had been uh, contacted by members of the community and questioned about my blackness. Wow. And, you know, how I could prosecute an individual such as a trap Brown, also known as Imam Jamil Alameen. Mm. And, you know, I would show up in court. And the new Black Panthers would be there and they would question me. And so it was it was impactful to me because I understood. Yeah. And I still understand how it can be viewed by individuals on the outside looking in. But after being introspective and after talking to those who survived this attack, who had no idea who this man was when they first approached him. Mm. It was not about a governmental conspiracy. It was about two men trying to do their job. One lost their life in the process and the other one almost lost his life in the process. That's what this case was about. And so for me, it was impactful because I had to do some real soul searching. And I really had to to say, you know, this, this this is not about all the good things he did. Mm-hmm. And I will tell you, I got to know his brother, the late Ed Brown, mm-hmm. throughout the course of handling this case because Ed would contact me. Ed sent me books. And, and I was, I educated myself mm-hmm. in the process. But I will tell you what I told Ed. This is not personal. This is absolutely not personal. If Martin Luther King 
had done what Hrat Brown was accused of doing, Jamil Alameen was accused of doing, I would have prosecuted him as well because that was my job. It's a case of humanity, ultimately. It's a case of humanity, exactly. It's yeah. a case of a life that was unjustly taken. Mm. Wow, wow. And my job was to put the facts up to the jury and let them do what they do. Yeah. And, and, and that's what I did. And so for me, it was about right and wrong. And when I go to bed at night, I always want to be on the side of doing what I think is right. Yes, yes, yes. You know, there's a lot of tragedy uh, happening in our communities. And, you know, uh, what, do, what do you say to communities? I know you go out, you probably speak, you're asked to go. Uh, you're in the community, you attend, you know, of course, you know, your own organization events other people's events. Um, what do you say to communities to give hope and ensure them that they can actually have impact on the scales of justice? What do you say to them? So what I say to the community is get involved, get involved, be involved. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we, we see, and throughout the course of history, we have been known as the people who protest. Mm-hmm. And protesting is fine. Protesting has its place. But if we are not active members in our community, if we're not volunteering and being a part of those boards and those offices that can make a difference so that we can be the change we want to see in our communities, if we are not actively involved in the political process, i.e. researching the candidates that are on the ballot, deciding which candidates you believe worthy of a vote, joining those campaigns, contributing to those campaigns, helping to get the word out so that the right people are in the right places. Hmm. You know, and then most importantly, exercise your vote. Yes. I don't care if it's for dog catcher. Go out (laughs) and vote. Go on and say that one more time. (laughs) I don't care. Okay, Mr. Dog Catcher, go out and exercise your power to vote. Absolutely. And let me tell you why I say that, Tommy, because now that I've run a campaign, I know what communities candidates pay attention to Mm -hmm. and what communities get ignored. The communities that get ignored are those communities where the candidates know that nobody's going to come out and vote. Amen to that. Only going to pay attention to those communities that will vote them out of office. So vote. That's what I would tell folks. It amazes me we don't get that. (laughs) You know what I mean? Exactly. (laughs) It amazes me. We can protest. There's nothing wrong with protesting. But protesting without the power of your vote is just noise. That's all it is. So true. Again, I I just want to say thank you. Uh, You know, Honorable Judge uh, Kelly S. Hill, give it up, you know, for stopping by. Thanks for taking a moment. Any any shout outs? You know what? No, you know, I just not, want to shout out. I know that's a very legal, the legal term, but you know. That's why I'm saying. I just want to shout out to, to everybody. Um, I want to want thank you. Thank you for inviting me to be a part of your podcast. Um, I want to shout out to those who are listening. I want to shout out to those who are exercising their votes. And I especially want to shout out to uh, Cobb County because Amen. it is my honor and my pleasure to serve the citizens of Cobb County in this capacity on a daily basis and continue to reach out to the community and be a part of the change that is happening here in in our county. So thank you. Thank you. It has been an absolute pleasure. And um, I look forward to more impactful and insightful conversations. Yeah, thank you so much. And and, and again, I have to give it up to you. And and, and again, uh, you know, I grew up in Atlanta, so, you know, I've, I've kind of I've gone away and come back a couple of times. But observing, I mean, I would have never thought back in the day <laughs> that Cobb <laughs> County of all counties. But but uh, but it, it, it's amazing to me. I mean, you know, growing up in the city of Atlanta and looking outward to see uh, a lot of the change that's occurred in, in a Cobb County or in a Gwinnett. So and, and it's all positive because it's more inclusive and there are more people, as you said, exactly. sitting at the table. Which that's is exactly what it's about. What it's about inclusivity. Yeah, that's that's what you know. And as you as you know, the majority of my career was in Fulton and DeKalb counties, but I've lived in Cobb. Yeah, and 
while it would have been easy for me to move to one of those counties and perhaps run for judge where people knew and, and appreciated my work, yeah. um, I felt like Cobb County needed representation. Yeah. And it was just a matter of waiting until they were ready. It is definitely not the low-hanging fruit. <laughs> That's all I it have is to not. Because you know what? I'm not, a, I'm not afraid. You are not, not afraid. afraid of uncharted territory. <laughs> well, good for you and congrats. And they've got a good judge in place, Judge Kelly S. Hill, Honorable Judge Kelly S. Hill, uh, Cobb County Supreme Court. Thank you so much. I called you justice. You're on the way. And, and you just put me on the Supreme Court, although I'm on the Superior Court. <laughs> thank you so much, uh, Judge Hill. Thank you so much. And and hopefully we can have you back. You know, you know when when things settle down a bit, because this is going to be a roller coaster of a of a week yeah. in these next few months. We'll wait until everything settles settles down a bit and have you back, okay? It will be my pleasure. We'll just buckle our seatbelt and see what happens moving forward. Amen to that. (laughs) Thank you so much, and uh, take care. I appreciate you taking the time, okay? Thank you. Absolutely. You You have a wonderful evening. All right, you too. Bye. Thank you so much, uh, Judge uh, Kelly S. Hill, Cobb County, uh, and and, uh, definitely we'll have her back soon. Uh, Again, let's go ahead and do news with uh, Syracuse Mike. We'll come back on the other side. And um, man, just just some amazing information. That Brian Nichols case to this day uh, still touches me, man. It is. Um, it was just a, whew, what a time. Here we go. News team, assemble. It's time for the week in news with Syracuse Mike. AURN's Ebony McMorris says President Biden is working to calm fears over growing concerns about the banking industry. Americans can rest assured that our banking system is safe, your deposits are safe. Let me also assure you, we will not stop at this. We'll do whatever is needed. It started Friday with the sudden collapse of Silicon Valley Bank, making the biggest failure since the 2008 financial crisis. The Treasury Department is moving to ensure all SVP deposits will be paid in full with depositors. That bombshell news was followed up on Sunday by federal regulators announcing the closure of New York-based Signature Bank due to what's deemed as systematic risk. For AURN News, I'm Ebony McMorris. The president has also approved the Willow Oil Project in Alaska against the objections of environmentalists. The move clears the way for one of the largest new oil and gas developments in 20 years on federal land in Alaska. Mitch McConnell was discharged from the hospital Monday and is recovering from his concussion, according to a spokesperson. Communications Director David Pop said in a statement that the Senate Minority Leader's medical team discovered he suffered a minor rib fracture after his fall at a D.C. hotel last week. He added that McConnell's concussion recovery was proceeding well. A judge has sentenced former Clayton County Sheriff Victor Hill to 18 months in federal prison. Hill served as sheriff in Clayton County outside of Atlanta for nearly 15 years before he was indicted in 2021. A jury later found him guilty of using unreasonable force and violating inmates' constitutional rights by strapping them down and leaving them in restraint chairs for hours in some cases. He is also barred from working or consulting in law enforcement. Tuesday, San Francisco's Board of Supervisors, which is similar to a city council, voted unanimously to accept a draft plan from the city's African-American Reparations Advisory Committee. The proposal would include a one-time $5 million payment to black residents who are at least 18 and have identified as black or African-American on public documents for at least 10 years. Residents must also meet other requirements. Being a descendant of someone enslaved before 1865 is just one of the possible requirements. R&B, jazz, and adult contemporary singer Bobby Caldwell has died. He's best known for the 1978 hit, What You Won't Do for Love. The 71-year-old singer had been in poor health for several years. Former UGA football star Jalen Carter has pleaded no contest to the charges against him in connection to the January crash that killed a teammate and a school staffer. Carter has agreed to 12 months of probation, a $1,000 fine, and 80 hours of community service. Carter's attorney says the deal also means no other charges can be brought against him in this specific case. Carter is still expected to be a top pick in the upcoming NFL draft. The International Criminal Court in The Hague has issued an arrest warrant for Vladimir Putin for overseeing the abduction of Ukrainian children, further isolating the country and sending Russia on the path to become a pariah state. Now, this doesn't mean that he'll be arrested anytime soon, if at all. Russia does not recognize the court and does not extradite its citizens. 
The Kremlin labeled the ICC's actions as outrageous and unacceptable. Ohio Governor Mike DeWine and his wife were in East Palestine Friday. The community still reeling from the train derailment earlier this year. DeWine said the soil removal in the area is moving quicker than before, but it's never fast enough. He also said Norfolk Southern will be held responsible. That possibly includes for land value losses. We expect uh, Norfolk Southern to be accountable for that and to fill that whatever that gap is. Uh, so that the school can continue on and does not suffer because of this train wreck. DeWine said he plans to return to East Palestine next Wednesday to announce a permanent medical facility in the community after residents expressed long-term health concerns. No other men's basketball college team made it this far this season in Georgia. So, while they lost to Xavier 72-67, to Kennesaw State led most of the game and it wasn't a blowout. So, the school has much to be proud of. Head coach Amir Abdul-Rahim. How about them Kennesaw State fighting owls? Man, I am so proud of this group. And so is the entire state. Man, how about them owls? Just shocked me, but Xavier, as a matter of fact, as we taped today, they turned it around and got things back in gear, and, and, and they're moving on to the Sweet 16. But, man, Kennesaw almost did it, y'all. And, again, thank you so much, um, Judge Hill, uh, Kelly S. Hill. Just thank you so much. Um, again, um, great information, great wisdom. Cobb, you've got a good one. Uh, definitely keep her <laughs> keep her in the system. Uh, I think I think it means a lot of great things for our community. So 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 just great things, great things. Uh, just a couple of things. Uh, Silicon Valley Bank. Um, you know, there's an there's an interesting link. Uh, thank you, Lady J sent me a link um, uh, on on I think it was on Facebook that talks about the fact that this is not a normal bank. Ninety percent and above are not uh, of of the clients of that bank are not FDIC eligible or covered. So it it is a high risk bank. But the the crazy thing about it uh, is that these types of banks get bailed out while student loan people are begging for forgiveness before the Supreme Court. Yet yet these guys can really take a lot of irresponsible investments and, and place irresponsible investors in these these you know, really high risk situations. And and one of the big things that occurred in this situation was the fact that the interest rates, you know, I think they, they didn't count on the interest rates increasing as rapidly. So, you know, just uh, watch it closely. I, I, you know, uh, uh, President Biden has promised that this will not receive, uh, this is not a situation where a high profile bailout will be included. Um, So we'll see. We'll have to watch and and see what happens. I don't think it deserves it. Uh, I, you know, I don't look at it as a normal bank. Again, 90 percent or above of the uh, folks who are actually involved in this bank, have money in this bank, are rich. They're millionaires, billionaires. So, OK, we'll see what happens. Uh, and I have to say, environmentalists, um, the drilling that's happening in Alaska, if, if, if environmentalists are so concerned about drilling, why don't they protest the cost of electric vehicles? I mean, it, that would definitely take the pressure off the need for fuel. But but it just seems to me with, with the electronic vehicle situation right now, you know, the electronic vehicles are 60,000 to 40,000 plus a lot of these new vehicles. So, you know, if, if we can bring down the price of electronic vehicles, electric vehicles, EVs, then especially make it affordable to the middle, middle class, uh, lower middle class, uh, even those who are with new vehicles, take the fuel vehicles off, electric vehicles and you know we might be able to you know become more efficient so I, it just shocks me it's amazing that they'll you know protest the fact that uh, we're in a situation where we can actually become less dependent upon foreign oil but not protest the fact that evs are too expensive so we'll see how that works out and isn't it ironic that mitch mcconnell speaks out against trump and winds up in the hospital that just kind of shocks me I mean, we, we need to see, I mean, that deserves an investigation because it was like a day or so prior to the fall that he was speaking out against Trump, like really, really tough speak against Trump. So it's just amazing. All of a sudden he winds up in the hospital. We need to, we need to look into that. And I'm, I'm moving to San Francisco, y'all. Yes, I am moving. <laughs> I got to go to San Francisco with the five million. But the crazy thing is, I, I guarantee you, 
that if that were to happen, everything was going, everything, every good and service in, in, is already high in the Bay, but every good and service in San Francisco would go up exponentially if, if, if all black folks got 5 million. So we'll see how that goes. You know, but, you know, I'm hopeful uh, and, and rest in power. And I know Tanya B is going to touch on this in the T Bobby Caldwell. Again, I'm one of those who grew up in the 80s and uh, never knew he was white until, you know, see him on like the midnight special or video soul. So rest in power. Uh, he had been sick for, for a while. I think a lot of it had to do, I call it, they call it floxing, where he was, um, I guess it was, it was something related to penicillin. So uh, definitely, um, you know, rest in power. He's in a better place and, and he suffered for a long time. So just uh, rest in power. Jalen Carter was not in shape, by the way, um, young man UGA for the pro day. Um, and um, he's still going to go high in the draft, but I hope he can get himself together. It seems like he's got some mental issues going on. Hopefully he can over, you know, get through all this. Um, and the situation that he's in right now uh, is, is positive for him because he can't be tried again on anything related to the crash that occurred at the beginning of the year. So hopefully he can get himself together, get his life together and just focus on football, you know, and become a productive citizen. So uh, good luck to Jalen Carter and his family. And, and who would have thought Putin and Trump indicted in the same month, y'all? That's just what? <laughs> so I mean, we'll see. Trump has yet to be indicted, but the Hague is after Putin, so uh, and they don't they don't uh, acknowledge those courts, so um, you know they're not going to turn Putin over to the Hague for you know human rights violations. But we'll, we'll see what happens. And and, and one question, uh, I'm going to put this out there. Go to castropolis.net, click the people poll. Uh, do you trust train service? Do you trust train service? If you do, give us your feedback. And, and I know a lot of these derailments have been uh, freight trains, but. You know, anybody who uses passenger trains, I'm just curious about your thoughts on whether or not you still travel and you feel how you feel. Totally different company. Company, I know that's Norfolk Southern that handles the freight, but how do you feel with everything happening with the Norfolk Southern situation? Go to the People Poll. Love your feedback. All you got to do is go to castropolis.net. Uh, and also that link's in our podcast notes. So there you go. appreciate you. And uh, again, thank you so much, uh, Judge Kelly S. Hill. Now let's go ahead and and do what we normally do. Tanya B is 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 off this week, uh, but she'll be back next week. But uh, let's go ahead and do this. Now then, children, it's time for tea. It's tea time, y'all. Sipping the tea with Tanya B. I don't want you to miss a thing. This is your girl, Tanya B. And through the magic of technology, sometimes a blessing, sometimes a curse. We know about that, right, Tommy B? Yes, we do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm bringing you the top T headlines for this week. First, we start with the celebrity prayer list. And I got to say, I think everybody was in shock about the death of blue-eyed soul icon Bobby Caldwell. Hit the scene in the late 70s with What She Won't Do For Love, a signature song that still gets played to this day. But here's the gag. Now, when he went out on his first tour to promote his album, he was the opening act for Natalie Cole. And even as recently as 2013, when he was part of the Blue-Eyed Soul tribute on the BET Awards, people didn't know he was white. <laughs> I'm telling you, his album was in silhouette, so you couldn't tell what he was. And of course, he had a huge hit on the R&B charts with what you, what you Won't Do For Love, right? But I think he just put out great music. And that's really, I mean, his catalog is amazing. He's been sampled by everybody from Biggie and Nas to Chance the Rapper to Common to John Legend to Boyz II Men, everybody. Just a light in the music world that will be missed. But he leaves, leaves again, a great music legacy. We're also grieving with Magic Johnson, who's mourning the loss of his father, Irvin Johnson Jr. Lance Riddick, who we know from The Wire and John Wick, died suddenly a few days ago at the age of 60 years young, leaving a wife and two children. He was taking a break from promoting the movie, which will still go on. And I got to tell you, I did not know the name. But when I saw that face with the name, I instantly knew who he was. Lastly, we mourn the loss of one of the, I guess, the pioneers of funk, Fuzzy Haskins, 
one of the original members, P-Funk, they had this song back in the 70s he was really known for. It was called Standing on the Verge of Getting It On. And the opening line is, Hey, lady, won't you be my dog and I'll be your treat and you can pee on me. Rather do that than pee in your afro. Remember <laughs> remember that song? Mm-hmm. Well, Fuzzy Haskins passed away uh, this week at the age of 81 years young. And you just got to give George Clinton five on it because everybody in P-Funk was so ahead of their time. And now people are just starting to catch up. So, again... Bobby Caldwell, sleep in peace. Fuzzy Haskins, sleep in the funk, in the funk. <laughs> so let's talk about celebrity family feuds. Good God, good God. Mm-mm-mm. The Scott sisters of Escape, that's Latasha and Tamika, they are playing out their family feud and drama on the TV show, The Queens of R&B, that they do with SWV. And now they got the mama up in there talking about she's a fifth member of Escape lady i mean really 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 miss scott you girl you reaching anyway tamika claims her sister latasha stole thirty thousand dollars from her back in the day and even though tamika said her sister took the 30k she still had to pay the 12k and taxes on it so that's the whole thing's being played out i call it the unreality tv show queens r&b watch if you want to but i don't get it in other family feud news priscilla presley has been locked out of graceland <laughs> that's right she's feuding with her granddaughters lisa marie's daughters because actually that belonged to lisa marie so her heirs are her daughters her son is like, I don't know what's going on here. Uh, Lisa Marie was estranged from her husband, the twins, the daughters, um, dad. And I think he's just looking for a check. But even though Lisa Marie had burned through $100 million, the current value of Grace Land today is $35 million. I don't know. Now, I did not watch Academy of uh, Academy <laughs> Anatomy. I'm sorry. Anatomy of a hoax. That's a Fox Nation documentary about uh, Jesse Smollett and the African brothers who claim they were paid for their parts in that. And they are just spilling all of his business. They spilling all the business. They said the reason why this whole stunt, and they call it a stunt, which they were acting out during the documentary, the reason why it went wrong, because Jesse Smollett <laughs> showed up late. So if you have Fox Nation, don't pay for it. You can see it on YouTube. I don't really care. But man, they are just giving, <laughs> giving him the business. Every time we root for Chris Brown, hope he's gotten himself together. We want him to do well. He's so talented and he's just wasting his talent and just his gift. Well, what I call the most recent installment of the Chris Brown Chronicles goes like this. Unfortunately, oh, and allegedly, there's a young woman named Amika. And she met Chris Brown. The two were kicking it. And they allegedly went on a romantic uh, island vacation and things went really bad. She's been releasing screenshots of her text exchange with Chris Brown and doing interviews. And right now she is accusing him of beating her so bad that she suffered broken ribs. What I want to know is if he broke her ribs, how did she get to the hospital to get medical treatment to get home? You know what? It's, it's just a mess. Just a mess. You want to know what else is a mess, Tommy B? Deborah Lee, I expected more from you. Now, she's basically in this book she's got out. I guess she wants to sell books. She was nothing but a high, not even high, honey. She was in there in the boardroom at BET, dipping it low and spreading it wide, just being a corporate. <coughs> well, anyway, I'm just saying. Now, that's a bit far to go to, to try to, uh, you know, sell books. But, yeah, she dropped this bomb that she and BET founder Bob Johnson had a long-standing affair while they were both married to other people. Inquiring minds want to know, was this the reason why Bob Johnson's wife, Sheila, divorced him and got all the bag? She got the bag. Now, I heard Bob Johnson was not happy when his uh, ex-wife Sheila wrote the book and I guess she spilled some of his tea I wonder if Deborah Lee alerted Bob Johnson that she was going to put the business out there in them streets but like I said Sheila Johnson's winning and here is why after she divorced Bob Johnson that made her the first black female billionaire do you know she's part owner of a professional hockey team an NBA team and a WNBA team okay 
Again, I say winning. Jebra Lee, I expect more from you out there. Tootsie Rolling to try to sell books and I just say girl bye oh but wait in this book she's also spilling tea on Oprah and Aretha Franklin honey really gonna come back and get you Deborah Lee that's just something you just don't do I hope you learned your lesson sister I wouldn't buy that book if it was an idolatry I'm just saying well, you know, Keenan Thompson's still doing well as the longest running cast member of SNL. And uh, he's gotten back together with his partner from the Nickelodeon days. All that Keenan and Kel uh, had the movie Good Burger 25 years ago, but they're working on Good Burger too. And uh, I'm wondering what this is really going to be in terms of a sequel because they're back working a good burger 25 years later after having some bad business <laughs> um, uh, entrepreneurship issues go wrong. It's an issue. But anyway, the movie starts filming in May will be released at the end of the year. Also, the sidebar, I gotta say Denzel Washington has signed on to the sequel of the gladiator. His role is being kept a secret and you know, it doesn't matter. People are just going to go and see the movie. Well, new mom, Kiki Palmer, she's back to work. You know what? She and her fiance, her baby daddy, Mr. Jackson, they have an agreement, I guess. And he's going to stay at home and raise the baby, Leo. I guess to be a house husband, because after all, she is the breadwinner. But she has just signed a deal to start in and produce a movie with Kevin Hart called The Backup. Now, The Backup is about, you know, a player player who decides he wants to settle down, but he wants to go and do this with his child childhood friend I guess who's Kiki Palmer but when he finds out that she's engaged to somebody else he tried to break up the thing speaking of breaking up the thing anybody care not me <laughs> but the people at Dancing with the Stars are like toot toot tootsie goodbye because Tyra Banks is leaving the show she claims she wants to focus on her ice cream company and that remains to be seen all right look that's all I got if you want any more Listen to the Birdwire right here on the Castropolis Podcast Network, Friday and Saturday, 8 and 10 p.m. Eastern Time with the replays every Saturday at noon Eastern. That's all I got. It's your girl, Tanya B. Holla. Good Lord. The views and opinions expressed <laughs> are those of Tanya B. Thank you, Tanya B. Appreciate the tea. Wow. Wow. Just wow. That's all I got to say. Man. Mm, mm-mm. That's all I got to say, tell you. I'm not going to say anything else. I'm not going to incriminate my... <laughs> not the Dollar Tree. <laughs> Appreciate you, Tanya B. Thank you so much. Appreciate you for getting that tea in. And yeah, um, you know, before we wrap up the show, I got to do this. What you watching this week, Tommy B? Hey, I know y'all are watching Swarm on Amazon. If you're not, uh, it's Donald Glover's new series that just came out. It stars... Uh, actress Dominic Fishback. Uh, if you know, if if you've seen, I, I guess the the Ptolemy Gray series. Uh, she's Robin on the Ptolemy Gray series on Apple, and uh, she's been in in several other movies. This is just an excellent project for her. Um, but definitely, it also stars Chloe Bailey, half of the Bailey sisters, and uh, basically, it's a, it's about an obsessed uh, Houston-based fan who goes to violent links for her favorite R&B singer and there's no mistaking that it is based on um, a beehive Beyonce I wouldn't say true story even though it tries to position itself that way it's all fiction it it definitely uh, the swarm slash beehive get it get it Uh, but after watching the full series I went ahead and binged it it's short it's a half hour seven episodes um, definitely season one I can tell you it's a whole lot deeper than just someone standing for a pop star. And and I'm not going to give any spoilers, but if you watch it, you'll understand what I'm talking about. Um, Standout appearances. And these are the folks appearing in this. And I was shocked, you know, uh, definitely uh, Millennial Nick was checking it out. He was telling me uh, Paris Jackson is in it. uh, The daughter, of course, of Michael Jackson. Uh, Billie Eilish is in it. Uh, Y'all know Damon Idris if you if you watch uh, Snowfall. Um, Cree Summer, you know Cree from Different World, Leon, and Stephen Glover is in it as well, the brother of, of Donald Glover. And again, it is, uh, if you're a fan of Atlanta, you'll love it because all the shots, all the cinematography, the writing, it, you, could, you could tell it's Donald Glover. And uh, so it's on Amazon currently, all episodes, and we'll see if it's uh, worth it. 
if it's going to get a season two. But it is crazy. Uh, I, I wouldn't. I, I don't even know how to describe it. Uh, so whether or not it's if you've seen what's the movie with um, the reading <laughs> with with, with uh, Monique, you know, it's kind of hard to describe or the strays. You know, it's kind of hard to describe this brand of quote unquote horror. If it's comedy, dramedy, lots going on. Lots going on. Also out this week, Ted Lasso, the final season kicked off this week. Um, uh, Power Book 2, Ghost, season 3 is out. Uh, second half of You, if you are following the ex- escapades of Joe Goldstein. Uh, the second half, if you thought he was saying you'll think he's crazy again, don't be fooled. Uh, the 10th season of Tyler Perry's House of Pain kicks off uh, as we tape this upcoming Wednesday. And I finally got a chance to watch uh, the new Luther, uh, Luther, uh, was it The Sun, Fallen Sun on Netflix starring Idris Elba, uh, Cynthia Revo. And it, it's definitely worth a watch. It's a good movie. Check it out. Uh, don't forget I'm Prisoned on Hulu with Kerry Washington, Delroy Lindo, who I forgot was UK, but definitely has nothing to do with him being UK in this. But it's Unprisoned. Uh, Kerry Washington and Del- Delroy Lindo plays her father, who was just released from prison. And this Friday on Amazon, Reggie, a documentary on baseball Hall of Famer and, and activist Reggie Jackson. And and a couple of things uh, left over we didn't get to in Tanya B's report. Drake and 21 Savage, It's a Blur Tour, If You Care, kicks off in June. Uh, uh, Zaya Wade is on the cover of 2023's spring edition of Dazed Magazine. Quentin Tarantino will be filming his final movie, which is crazy considering his age this fall. And if you're a Bel Air fan, uh, that series on Peacock has been renewed for a third season. And, and y'all check out, love your feedback on Tone Death, Lost in Hip Hop, which talks to a lot of the moms of these rappers who, you know, all the way from, uh, you know, going back to Biggie and Tupac to um, Pop Smoke. But Tone Death, Lost. And hip hop is streaming on Hulu, and um, you know, just uh, definitely check that out. You can always give us your feedback on all the stuff we do. Go to castropolis.net. Love your feedback on uh, Judge Kelly S. Hill. Just a great interview. Great. I got to have her back. I know she can't. She can't talk about current cases, but uh, she's got a fascinating history and and definitely um, doing great work out there in Cobb County. Um, what? Just a quick thing on the close as we close the show. Uh, you know, this whole Trump thing and, you know, it's really, you know, we'll find out this week if it's much ado about nothing or not. You know, uh, this call to action where he's telling people to protest. Personally, let me just say this to y'all. I feel he's manu- it's manufactured, this whole, just to get sympathy and get press to, to push for, you know, the indictment. Uh, you know, I would be shocked if they do it this week. I really think he's doing it. Um, for, I guess, sympathy to pull his voters back, to get them engaged for his campaign. So I, I doubt. I mean, we'll see. We'll see. I'll be eating my words next week, but we'll see. But I do think cities, municipalities need to be on guard and get and engaged and treat this like post 9-11 uh, because domestic terrorism is real in America. It's definitely real. Let's not get caught up in the drama. And and for black folks, you know, not our circus, not our monkey. Just get out the way. Okay. Uh, Again, final thoughts. Uh, Big thanks uh, again to the Honorable Judge Kelly S. Hill, Cobb County Superior Court. Thank you so much for coming out. Uh, Happy 137th anniversary, Ebenezer Baptist Church, home of Senator Warnock. Uh, And definitely go follow us. Follow the show on social media. We especially need more love on the YouTube channel. I have not, I will just admit, I have not been putting the love into YouTube. So you help me by putting the love into YouTube and you can search us. Uh, Our handle on YouTube is at this is the G podcast. Uh, And and also you can check our tapings for those of you who might be uh, viewing uh, my mug on, on uh, YouTube every week. Definitely give us a shout out. And uh, the live tapings are every Sunday at 6 p.m. Stream us also for those uh, who are still streaming us at uh, radiojarcastropolis.net. Appreciate it. Um, but also, if you are on YouTube, make sure you subscribe. Hit subscribe. Go ahead and hit that that bell. And make sure you're on the show. Uh, follow us on Twitter at this is the G Pod. Everything else is this is the G Podcast except for Twitter, who definitely wants to be difficult at all times. 
that's it and with that y'all episode 168 thank you so much for all the support we appreciate you the folks are back next week tanya bivai and we appreciate you episode 168 is in the can peace power to the people have a great week y'all stay warm you've been listening to the g podcast with your host tommy b the g podcast is a production of the castropolis podcast network thanks for listening